Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sex and the Bull City. My name is Matt Kreiner. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and certified sex addiction therapist. Thrilled, as always, to be here with my co-host, Dr. Sophia Caudill. Hey, Sophia. Hey, everybody. Hey, Matt. I'm super happy to be here. I'm Dr. Sophia Caudill, and um, we are excited to be doing another episode of our podcast. And uh, Go ahead, Matt. What were you going to say? Yeah, so as... Just for setting the stage here, you know, you and I were talking about planning for this session and what we were going to talk about, and it struck me that this is such a big topic and something that we deal with on such a daily basis. I was shocked we got this many episodes in without doing our codependency episode. I know. I was too. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about um, a concept that's near and dear to me. I find it fascinating and both, both professionally and personally. And it just is a very helpful way for me to work with clients, but for me to kind of move about the world. We're going to talk about codependency today and um, probably also get into a couple of other areas. This may be a long enough topic that we might make this a two-parter because when we talk about codependency, we also have to discuss enmeshment and then love addiction. So there's all different ways that codependency can um, present but also evolve. Um, so, so first I just want to start with, um, a, there's a couple of basic definitions of codependency there's, and they have all changed. So codependency as a concept really started, um, a few decades ago in the sixties and seventies where we would think about it and see it with alcoholism and usually a husband who was an alcoholic having a very controlling or enabling wife. And then that became the concept of codependency. And a definition for codependency is excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically one who requires support on account of an illness or addiction. So that sort of harkens back to um, our sort of older and traditional definition of codependency, that it's somehow coupled up with addiction. However, over the decades, it really has evolved and you know, we now know that we can be codependent where there's like no addiction present anywhere in the family or, or the relationship. Absolutely. And that's part of what I think makes this topic and these conversations so very meaningful because if we really start to take a look and understand what codependency is and how it shows up in real life, if we're being honest with ourselves, I think it's, it's really a 10 out of 10 experience that we, if we're all taking a look at how we interact with the people in, in our lives, we can really do ourselves a service to notice when we are behaving codependently and when we are kind of, to borrow some of that language from the definition, having maybe a, an unhealthy a psychological reliance on another person. Um, and like anything else in the human experience, it, it happens to varying degrees. And when it becomes, you know, clinically problematic, then we, you know, we have work to do here in our treatment rooms. But um, if we're being really honest, I think all of us can relate to, to these ideas. Yeah, Matt, those are all really good points. And one of the ways that, that I work with codependency now these days is it's really any outward focus away from ourselves. So it's, it's just such a, a broad way of looking at the concept. It could be an outward focus of, um, I wonder what that person thinks of me, or I wonder what I look like now. I wonder what he or she is doing. Every, everything I'm saying is, you know, I wonder what's happening out there in the world instead of, hey, I wonder how I can help myself feel more centered and grounded right now. So it's really that outward focus is, is how I work with codependency. And um, 
it seems to fit just about everything. So if we're talking about addiction or any kind of diagnosis or even just just issues in the world of, of having you know relationship issues, whenever we are outwardly focused, we're not focusing on ourselves. Um, we're not taking care of ourselves. We're not having healthy self-care. And we're likely increasing anxiety also when we're outward focused because there's a lot of unknowns and, and we're not just sort of sticking with what's solid and, and internal within us. And what I'm really talking about is when we get to the place in our mental health um, and emotional health that we, we operate within an internal locus of control that's self-centered, not selfish, but self-centered, then, then we're really coming from a place of health, health and we're less concerned with what anyone thinks of us, what they're doing, why they don't like us, all those things. I mean, I'm hoping that makes some sense. Yeah, I think so. Um, and as you, you know, go those next couple layers deeper into understanding the ideas of, of codependence, you make me think of, of a couple ideas that are really important to me uh, when I talk about it with my folks. And, and the first is that I talk about in any relationship, there are two sides of the street. And I'm only ever responsible for my side, right? So it, that metaphor tends to work for folks, and it's, it's easy to continue saying, like, you know, I got to keep my side of the street clean in this mm-hmm, relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm responsible for. And when you talk about that external versus internal, um, you know, locus of control, that's what, I, I, that's what it means to me is that when I'm – I need to stay on my side of the street. And if I'm over on somebody else's side of the street – not only am I really not going to be effective in trying to control any of the outcomes over there, but I'm going to be neglecting my own side, yeah. which is all I really have control over. And the other big idea you made me think of is how young this starts. Yeah. Right? I, have, I have kiddos um, that are in third grade and kindergarten currently, and they come home telling stories about what they think is in the head of somebody else, one yeah. of their, their classmates, you know, what they think this classmate thinks of them. or you know, So these ideas of being on somebody else's side of the street, I'm kind of getting our heads pretty young. And I thought I might say one more thing to, mm-hmm. to our listeners as we're getting into this episode is that, you know, I've studied this stuff for about three years and I feel pretty expert on, on making it come alive and be helpful to folks in my rooms. But in you, we have somebody who's really been doing this work and yeah. understanding it and researching it for a long time. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk later about some of the really the leading voices from a like, you know, book selling standpoint in yeah. this field. But um, I, I really consider you, you know, a, a leading voice and expert in what codependency is and how. Um, you know, working with it can can really improve outcomes for ourselves and our and our clients. So I'm going to take this opportunity to spend this time with you and toss some questions your way. Yeah, um, that'd as, be great. As a, an expert in this work, yeah. so um, I guess with all that said, maybe a decent next place to go is is just kind of common ways that that it shows up for folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's helpful. So um, again, it's really codependency has really grown so much over when we think about controlling behaviors or enabling behaviors. Now we can add. Um, types of codependency, like avoidant behaviors, are also codependent behaviors. Sure. Um, low self-esteem behaviors, com- compliant behaviors. Uh, these are all types of codependency and how it presents. And and if we just sort of think about all of those, controlling, avoidant, low self-esteem, compliant, and enabling, again, if we kind of get back to there's an outward focus there. There's so much energy um, mental and physical energy, so much brain power um, being wasted on things that are outside of ourselves, which means it's outside of anything that we can actually affect at all. And so all we're doing is, again, when, we're, when our brain is working like that, we're really just creating more and more anxiety for ourselves. And, 
and we are neglecting ourselves. So we're not in a healthy space. We're not in our healthy adult. And we're, we're likely not practicing healthy self-care when, when we have all that outward focus going, going on. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it makes me think of these. Um, it's, it's an interesting topic because when some people start, I've noticed, when some people start to get a sense that they're understanding what codependency is, they, they use one example and they hold it up as this is what codependency means. So, for example, they'll say codependency is when somebody is being just really kind of um, hyper and controlling and, and you know, if we're using kind of heteronormative uh, pronouns in a, in a coupleship, you know, sometimes it's, it's the male saying, you know, she's always on my side of the street trying to control me. Yeah. And, you know, that's one common way that codependency can present, right? Yeah. That would be someone not to keeping their own side of the street clean, right? But you give language to this other, other way this can present, which is someone who's going to withdraw yeah. and, and really not take accountability for their own emotional um, regulation and, and taking excellent care of themselves. And they're going to just toss that over to their partner, mm-hmm. which I've noticed is kind of a more common presentation in males. Yeah. Um, and they let that resentment build and, and the relationship starts to suffer because of it. That's codependency too. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't always just show up as somebody trying to be controlling. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big one. I'm really glad that you said that because I think that this is a new concept for a lot of people um, is the avoidant behaviors. And and absolutely, we see that a lot. Well, I think in our practice, because I think, you know, remembering that we specialize in um, compulsive sexual disorders and sex therapy and relationship issues and intimacy issues, a lot of males that we have in this practice are more avoidant and females are, you know, on the more controlling and, and sort of critical parent side um, because there may be addiction present. And that's just sort of how mm-hmm. that cycle presents. But absolutely withdrawing and being avoidant and, and really not being present in a relationship is actually quite controlling. And yeah, so it's, it's just a quieter way of being controlling, but it's still, it's an outward focus. It's I'm going to move into the corner away from my partner because she's doing A, B, or C. And so it's still that outward focus. It's just the way that people you know, go about handling that is different. Some people are going to move towards and pursue and get angry and try to control. And then some people are going to kind of withdraw and not be present in the relationship. But it's yeah. still all outward focus. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe as another way into going deeper into these topics, what does um, healing tend to look like? What is some of the work that we do with folks that ends up helping them take steps in a healthier direction? Um, what is what is that commonly involved with folks who are struggling with codependency issues? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's a it's a, sometimes a tough concept for people to understand because. Um, especially with our partners that are in here, to let go of control of the addict is is basically complete complete insanity to them. Like, why would sure. I ever do that? That makes no sense. And so it really starts for me with just conversation, little conversations um, that turn into more in-depth conversations, just sort of giving examples here and there of energy wasted when we do this this type of outward focus and you know when we don't have that energy on ourselves how we're suffering so it just sort of starts like that and then it moves into what recovery looks like and talking about self-care and a self-care plan i have a focused self-care plan that i do with all of my clients and 
um, that word focused is in there because it's it's a reminder of we're focusing on ourselves. We're not worried about what's happening outside of ourselves. We can't control that or affect it in any way. Um, so it really just starts out as conversation. Then we get into more written work um, to where people really begin to internalize, again, that internal locus of control. They internalize that the understanding that 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 they only have power and control over themselves and that they can't really affect anyone else's behavior or addiction or feelings or anything like that. Um, so that's really how it kind of starts. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and you remind me that, um, you know, like with, I think, all of our, our human behaviors, you know, that, that we notice and, and we work with folks on and in our practice, um, these patterns start from a really well-intentioned place. Yeah. You know, I mean, we wouldn't start behaving this way if, if it wasn't our best chance at, at trying to come up with a good outcome and improve things. Um, and maybe even early on, we saw some results that we liked. Right? Yeah. But eventually, we have to get honest with ourselves about how these patterns are no longer working for us. You know, yeah. this is not the kind of relationship I want to be in. Um, it's just not working anymore. So if we're ready to take that on and be honest about it, um, like you said, we start to see that um, that we really we need to do better, that, mm-hmm. that we want better in our relationships. And, and that starts with keeping our own side of the street clean, yeah. right? prioritizing ourselves, privileging ourselves and our self-care um, to, to really developing an accurate sense of what we can and can't control. Um, and I wonder if, if you might talk for a minute about how folks struggle with that. Um, I remember really commonly, I mean, as, as recently as yesterday, having a conversation with, with a client about how it just feels so selfish to, to take my invitation to stay on, on their side of the street. Yeah, I mean, I think for some people, they are really um, concerned that that is a selfish behavior to not go help the addict or to not go help the the loved one or the person or the child or whatever. And we're not saying that we like live on an island and, you know, we don't help people at all. I mean, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying that really when we do codependency work, I don't know if you can remember, like when you get on an airplane and the flight attendants are like, put your oxygen mask on first before your child's or before you help the person next to you. That's really where the conversation also goes. The self-awareness of understanding that I'm actually no good helping my partner or my child or my friend if I'm not first taking care of myself. Um, So it's really that understanding of what do I need to do for self-care for me first? And then let me see if there's something that is healthy um, that my, that somebody might want my assistance with. Um, and if not, that's fine. If so, if I want to do it, fine. If not, that's also fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that makes me think of, of a really common place that uh, in the work that, um, that I find myself in with folks. Um, and I want to just check in with you to see, see what your thoughts are on this. And it's basically the topic of boundaries Yeah, that it's, it's just a really useful, um, vehicle in, into these conversations and helping folks kind of take healthy steps, uh, when they're struggling with these issues. So what do you notice about the role of, of boundaries in codependency work? So when, when we start talking about boundaries, I really see that as being um, a different layer. It's a more severe codependency that I think we're talking about enmeshment at that point. 
Um, so, you know, that outward focus is really a codependency conversation. But when we're talking about, I'm not sure where I begin, I'm not sure where I end and where you begin and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I can tell you to do, what you can tell me to do. My feelings are completely tied in with your feelings. That's really enmeshment. Yep. And, and that is the way I think about that is it's like codependency on steroids, so it's it's a different level of code, of codependency. It's much deeper, um, much more difficult to to change the behaviors and the patterns, and definitely the thought processes. Um, it's almost like it's a like it's it's a lifeblood um, through people. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to get into that too much because that's mm-hmm. sort of teasing into love addiction. But it's along those lines of um, it's survival. Yeah. Um, when we t- start talking about enmeshment and boundaries, also are that's like they're completely blurred. There are there are none. There are zero boundaries. Zero. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right, and it, it makes me think about you know it it kind of ties together this notion of of self care and a common experience of how, of practicing great self care as as it ties into the experience of naming and holding healthy boundaries. It seems like on the front end before we make those choices that it's going to be really hard to do. Yeah. And it's going to be really painful for the people that are on the receiving end, the, the other people we're in, we're in relationships with. But the true lived experience of it all is that boundaried people are actually a lot more fun to be in relationships with. Yeah. Right? Because we know that we don't have to take care of them. They're not going right. to they're not going to invite us onto their side of the street to do their work for them. Yeah. Right? So it's actually a, a much more healthy and, and enjoyable experience to be in a relationship with folks who are practicing this healthy self-care and practicing these healthy boundaries. Um, and that, that might lead into to another question I wanted to toss your way. So commonly, you know, and, you know, we talk about folks who want help with their intimate partnerships, right? And, of course, there's codependency work to be done all over that space. But um, here's, here's what, one that feels easy to me. I'm kind of teeing it up for you. Uh, yeah. Dr. Caudill, can codependency show up in other relationships, not oh, just yeah. with intimate partners? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So for sure. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Um, every relationship I can think of could be codependent. We can be codependent with our kids, our parents, our other family members, friends. Um, I think I, I do a little bit of work with ambiguous grief. I think we can be codependent with our grief. Mm-hmm. We can keep, we can just, that can be our identity, and, and that's sort of our outward focus. We can be codependent with money. We can be codependent with really just about anything you can think of can be a unhealthy outward focus so that we are not taking care of ourselves. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think that parent, that parent-child relationship, I'll just touch on that. We do see a lot of enmeshment, um, mother-daughter, mother-son. Yeah. Um, but, but we see a lot of that with parents, um, specifically with moms, not just moms, also dads. Um, but that, that absolutely, um, really that's, that's very generational that gets yeah. passed down and it's very hard, really, really hard, um, to learn how to not operate in that codependent pattern. I myself, um, am of Greek descent and we are like basically raised and bred to be codependent because, mm-hmm. We do everything for everyone else to help them. We do everything for the church. We literally are taught never to take care of ourselves. And everybody is always into everybody's business yeah. um, to the point that it's really, really unhealthy. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's been very difficult for me to kind of untangle that as I've gotten older and, and be in this line of work and figure out 
what's going to be healthy for me and what's not. And and I'm not the most popular person in my family for that reason. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. um, and so that's really hard. I think a lot of ethnic peoples, um, ha we have this sort of old, old world um, sort of way about us culturally. And it's really hard to go against the grain. I certainly see that a lot with my um, clients. And so, you know, any kind of different culture... Um, you know, Americans, I think it's, it's more acceptable to kind of, I've got to take care of me, but that's basically blasphemy, um, to, to have that, that thought in a lot of older cultures is like, it's, or just different cultures is it's complete, completely nuts. Yeah. I appreciate you highlighting it in those ways. Cause it reminds me of these really important ideas that first of all, we come by these patterns, honestly, Yeah. right? They're modeled for us. They're ingrained in our cultures. They're ingrained in our our spiritual traditions. I mean, it's it's all over the place. And like we kind of let off by saying, if if we're not loving how things are going, then it's time to take an honest look about what we can't control and what we can change. And and like you said, the truth is, it doesn't mean we can't be of service. It doesn't mean we can't be loving and kind. It just means we're going to be boundaried about that. Yeah. And we're going to take excellent care of ourselves as, as we engage in those things. We're going to put our um, oxygen mask on first. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... These are, these are really important ideas. Like we said, they can show up all over the place. Um, I'm sure there, there are some things that you, you might want to touch on that I'm missing, but I thought, you know, before we get, get close to uh, wrapping things up, we might just want to touch on some of the, the resources that are out there for folks if, if they feel like they are ready to, to be honest with themselves and, and take some of these, these goals on. Yeah, there's so many great resources out there for codependency work. There's CODA, which is Codependency Anonymous. There are meetings all over the world, all you have to do is get online and check the CODA website. You can find a meeting in your area. There's also CODA telephone meetings, and there's also CODA meetings on a website called In the Room. So it's www.intherooms.com. That's a worldwide, it's the largest worldwide recovery website. It's a fabulous website. I also do a meeting every Thursday at noon Eastern time called Codependency, Grief, and Relationships on In the Rooms. And In the Rooms is free. I don't know if I mentioned that. So um, you can log on to that website from all over the world. And we have people come into my meeting that are literally from all over the world. All, all, every time zone is represented just about. Um, lots of good conversation in that meeting about codependency about grief, especially ambiguous grief, and any relationship issue. Um, so, and then there's also so many great books. Um, Pia Melody, Facing Codependence, is a great books book, and um, Melody Beatty has a ton of codependency books. My favorite by her is called The New Codependency, but there are probably too many codependency books out there, um, which is why I really haven't felt compelled to write anything about it, because I think it's already... Most, mostly been said, um, I think it's a concept that keeps evolving. And um, I know for my meeting on In the Rooms, this concept of outward focus is, is really kind of where we're all landing these days. Yeah. And, um, and that covers just about everything. Um, the one last thing I wanted to mention was love addiction. Mm -hmm. And um, so love addiction is, is really um, codependency and enmeshment at a much deeper level, um, really very much on steroids, as I would say it. And um, it's really when um, that other person is part of you. And, and you truly, truly, this is where we get to, I can't live without that other person. Yeah. 
Um, I, I really don't want to live without that other person. I'm I will do. Yeah, it's 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 beyond reliance. Yeah. It's like it, that's when we get into the lifeblood. That person is my lifeblood. Mm-hmm. Um, that is really hard to work through. I myself have um, worked my way through all of these issues, and um, that is really tough because that's the kind of thing that when those relationships are, are not going to, to work, they are not going to last. And when they break, that's an enormous trauma on the brain is what that is. And so um, it's, it's much deeper of, of an attachment wound than really anything else that we've talked about um, pretty much. So love addiction is, um, is really, it's, it's just so much more severe, um, much harder to, to work with, um, but certainly doable. Um, as far as that goes, there's a great book by Kelly McDaniel, a friend of mine, called Ready to Heal. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only resource we have that's, that's you know, I think is really good um, for females with sex and love addiction. That's a great place to start if you're a female um, and thinking that this might be an area. But again, um, Claudia Black and Pia Melody, Melody Beatty, and there's a there are literally, if you just Google or go to Amazon and search codependency, so many titles will come up. You really want to just read what speaks to you because there may be an addiction um, interest or there may be an another outward focused interest or there may be a parent interest. You've got to sort of you know research and figure out which book is best for you, but there's a ton of good resources out there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So kind of... From a broad stroke standpoint, and what I hear in us say is that if, if someone gets a sense that they might be struggling with codependency issues, um, they are so not alone. Yeah. Um, but we, if we're being honest, we all you know spend a little bit of time on other people's sides of the street from time to time, and we'll be really well served to take an honest look at that. And not only will it improve our, our sense of self, um, but our relationships are going to get stronger as a result of doing this work. So um, no reason to, to feel ashamed if you're struggling with ideas that we've talked about here in this episode. Um, you're, you come by it honest and you're so not alone. I mean, if yeah. there's this much scholarship and literature about, about these ideas, if there are 12-step meetings, uh, you know, in your county about yeah. about these topics, I mean, there are, there are communities of support um, and it's, it can be really meaningful if you can find, if, if you're in a position to bring a clinician onto your team to help you with this work, um, find somebody who's, who's well-versed in these topics because um, if you take it seriously, the benefits are going to come huge and fast uh, into your world and your relationships. Yeah, um, that's, that's great that you bring that up, and then I think we'll wrap up. Um, my clients who I, I do this and other, other work with, I mean, it's not just codependency work with, but those people who attend CODA, or do telephone meetings and get a sponsor and work, work the steps and work the program, wow, they move quickly. Yeah. Um, this is a, a, a very doable area of work. Um, the more you put into it, obviously, the quicker the change is going to come. But CODA is, I, I see just you know tons of effectiveness with CODA. And people are so much happier in all of their relationships. So I highly recommend um, getting into some meetings and getting a sponsor. So anyway, um, I think we're about finished. I hope this was helpful to people. If you have any questions... Um, please shoot us an email. You can find our information on our website, www.bullcitypsychotherapy.com. 
I'm at Sophia at BullCityPsychotherapy.com, and Matt is available at Matt at BullCityPsychotherapy.com. Um, so please get in touch with us and check out those meetings. Come to my meeting online. It's super fun. We do a lot of good stuff there on In the Rooms every Thursday, Eastern Time at noon. But also check out a CODA meeting. Um, there, there definitely is availability and accessibility out there. If you just look into it, search it online. Help is there for you. And so um, yeah. don't waste another minute. Go and, go and check into it and get the help that you need. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode about codependency. Yeah, thank you, Doc, for being our, our co-host, as always, and our resident expert here on codependency. And I just wanted to just echo some of what you just said there. As far as in the rooms goes, um, it's a, you know, anything that we're going to recommend, we're not getting compensated for any of this stuff. Yeah, we are, exactly. are, yeah. are sending it out to you because we've lived it and it's yeah. been helpful to us and our clients. So in the rooms, a phenomenal resource. You can catch meetings on your computer, on your phone. Um, your Thursday at noon Eastern meeting is a phenomenal one on these topics. Um, super well attended, lots of healing going on in, in those rooms. So um, yeah, thank you for being our, our expert on this super important topic. And thank you all for listening. And we will see you next time here on Sex and the Bull City. Thank you.